Good morning. Your superhero's here. How's that? <laughs> it would work. I, my kids believed that for a while, and then it lost steam somewhere in there. But anyways, well, we are starting a new message series, and thought we'd have some fun playing off a little bit of the superhero theme. So uh, I, hopefully that'll make sense by the time this is all said and done. But uh, would you join me in prayer? Let's ask for God's blessing over this time. Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. We've seen a lot, we've experienced a lot, and that's not even the half of it. And God, I pray for your blessing over this time of teaching. You've preserved and protected your word so that we could know you, and we could know what matters to you, and we could know who we are. And I pray that you would speak through me. I have nothing to say, but you have everything to say. And I pray that it would be heard by every person here, those who are followers of Jesus and those who are not. God, may you do what only you can do and reach every heart here in a life-changing way. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So uh, I'm probably stating the obvious here, and that is that superhero movies seem to be the rage over the last several years. And I, I wonder, have you ever thought about, would it be nice to have a superpower? I mean, maybe like, um, like Superman. He has like x-ray vision. Imagine having that. Right? I mean, that could be really helpful. It could be really dangerous, too, as well. Or what if you had, like, um, the ability, like Spider-Man, to be invisible? I think if I could picture, or if I could have any superpower, man, being invisible would be really cool sometimes. I think I'd really enjoy that. Or, like, uh, Flash. I know he's fast, but he's also a speed thinker. Imagine how you could parlay that into some really good, you know, games on TV, like TV show games and do really well. Jeopardy, maybe, you know. You're just right there with the answer. Um, but the reality of it is, and I, and I hope that over this four-week study, that we really maybe rediscover, or maybe for the first time, really experience that Christ followers in this room, and those of you that are watching online, we have a superpower, and it's prayer. And just think about that for a moment. We have been given by God the ability to talk to the all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful creator of everything we see and everything that exists. And we have been given the privilege, the power of talking, of communicating. And he, not only does he, is, is it possible, he actually wants it, he desires it in us. We talked about AIM the last couple weeks. It's our, our mission. AIM to know Jesus and make him known. And the A stands for activate faith and the I stands for impact the world and the M stands for multiply disciples. And we looked at the eight statements kind of under the hood. And statement number eight says we will pray boldly, humbly expressing our dependence and trust in God. So my question for you as we begin this study is how is your prayer life? Do you sense the power that it is? I mean, how would you rate it? How's it going? Because my hope and prayer, pardon the pun, though intentional, is that we'll come out of this being a stronger church. You'll be a stronger follower of Jesus. Those of you who are not followers of Christ, I, I just thank you for being here. And I, I hope that you come to understand prayer. I know when I wasn't a follower of Christ, prayer was very confusing to me, particularly when I saw it being done in ways that just made no sense. And I hope for those of you that are here that are not followers that you will come to appreciate that God wants for you very much 
to experience the power of prayer, to communicate with the one who created you. And so we're going to start a four-week study. And we're going to talk about what is prayer? We got to understand what exactly is it? Then we're going to talk about, well, how do we pray? And then we'll also talk about what are the obstacles to pray? What gets in the way? What, what clogs up, if you will, the prayer line between us and God? But before we go there, what really is important, where I needed, I felt like we just had to start, and that is activation. How do we activate this superpower of prayer that we have? You see, in many of the superheroes, they had this, their superpowers were kind of activated when a problem arose. They, they ran into a phone booth. I know some of you are young enough to go, what is that? <laughs> many of us are old enough to know exactly what it is. But they would run into a phone booth and boom, there they were. Superman. Or they would slide down the, the pole into the bat cave and their superhero powers were activated. But you know what? Prayer doesn't work like that. In a moment of distress, in a moment of challenge, in a moment when we're really struggling, there's no guarantee that our superpower of prayer automatically is activated. It just doesn't work that way. So the question is, well then what activates the superpower of prayer? Well, I'm really glad you asked that. Because that's how we need to start this morning, is to understand that there is a who and there's a what to activating this superpower of prayer. And for that, we're going to look in the... God's word, because you don't need to hear anything from me. This needs to come from God and no one else. And I'm going to ask you, let's all get our Bibles open or our Bibles app open. You're going to go to your table of contents. And we're going to be, actually I want you to look in your, your Old Testament table of contents. And about a third of the way down is the book of 2 Chronicles. And I want us all to turn to whatever page that corresponds to in your Bible. 2 Chronicles, you'll be at chapter 1. Make your way to chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. We're going to hear out of God's mouth a response and I'll, I'll give you the context because we can't just, you know, you, you, it's easy to pull a verse out and make it say whatever you want it to say. That happens all the time. But that's not properly handling the word of God. There's context and we need to understand the context and I'll explain it in just a moment. But Second Chronicles chapter 7 verses or verse 14 and then I'll explain what's before it and what's behind it. Understand that we're talking about the who and the what that activates the superpower of prayer in us. And this is God's response to Solomon's prayer of dedication of the temple. He says, And my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So this is said when King Solomon has dedicated the temple. And we have to understand that the temple was kind of the, the physical manifestation of God's presence. It was, it was the visible reminder that God is among his people. And they built this amazing structure that stood out up, 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 and was higher than any other structure in Jerusalem. And maybe you've been to uh, an old cathedral. And maybe when you walk into this old cathedral, um, you, you, you just feel like, wow, I feel like I'm closer to God. It just feels like the presence of God is here. Maybe when you, when you come to any church, you, you feel like, man, I feel closer to, to God when I'm, when I'm here. I, I know when I was working out in the marketplace and I would steal a lunch away and I, I would go down to the church that I was a member of and I just kind of felt like, ah, that's where I'm meeting God. Not, not that I couldn't meet him in, in the boardroom where I was working, but I just felt like this was just a little bit closer and, and maybe you have felt that before too as well. Certainly the, the people of God would see the temple and it would prompt them 
to know that God was present. He was among them. As a matter of fact, they would actually pray in the temple or they would pray in the direction of the temple. And that was just soothing to them. And Solomon is dedicating in chapter 7, 6 and 7, he is dedicating the temple, the focal point of God's presence among his people. And it stood out as this visible reminder that he was there. And he's dedicating this, this temple to God, that it's becoming a house of prayer. And God's response to them, and my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from the evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. So this verse 14 is God's response. He says, if my people return, I'll hear them and I will heal their land. And I want to start with healing the land. I want to, we're going to start the back part of this verse and then work our way forward after that but I want to just go to the part that says heal their land am I alone in thinking that our land needs healing in 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 measurable ways our country needs healing our community needs healing even our church needs healing I mean weekly we get prayer requests and, and people are, are in, in a tough spot. They're, they're, they, they need a job. They've lost their job and they're looking for a job. Or, or they, need, they need healing from a disease. Maybe chronic pain. Reconciliation of marriages. The return of a rebellious child that's just seemed to have gone off the tracks. Rescue from depression and anger and anxiety. An addiction. Some prayer requests are just about friends and family members that, that are just regularly every Sunday come. Please pray that my husband, please pray that my children, please pray that my friend will come to know how much God loves them. They're looking in all the wrong places. And, and, and the prayer is may they please be found. And it's, it's honestly, it's been hard dealing with all of the brokenness. That's in you and that's in me. And it just seems like it's kind of been inflamed and exacerbated. And the division in our country is just exhausting. You would say the same thing. The moral decline in our country. You're just watching it happen. You're like going, wow. You know, for me now, it's my grandchildren are growing up in this. How can it be? And I was just, I was talking to a teacher as, as she came in. And I really mean this. And we prayed for the teachers a few weeks ago. I don't know how you do it. It is a tough setting. And what you have to do and, and to see the students and, you know, the challenges that they're facing. And so, I mean, it sounds like you're there too. You're kind of just feeling almost like there's this kind of sense of being overwhelmed, right? So, so what do you do? Where do you go with that? My friends, you pray. You go to God with it and you pray. The question is, though is, how do we know that God is listening? How do we know that God hears our prayers? Well, I mean, what activates that superpower of prayer that, that Christ followers have been given and That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at chapter uh, 7 and verse 14. We're going to look at the who of activation and the what of activation. So let's start with the who. Now I want you to go to the front end of that verse. And God in verse 14 says, and my people. That's who the who is. It's my people. Now the immediate context, now we have to understand this, is God is talking to his covenantal people in the Old Testament. The Old Covenant. God made a covenant with Moses. And the covenant was very clear. God says, you obey me? We're good. 
You rebel against me, judgment and bad comes your way. Your choice. That's why God says in verse 14, he says, uh, if you humble yourself and if you seek my face and if you turn from your ways, then, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin and I will heal your land. So there was this connection that God wanted them to understand, this immediate context to God's people. Now today, a little bit different. We're not under the old covenant anymore. It's been fulfilled in Christ. Praise God for that. But we now have a new covenant with Jesus. And God's people are no longer isolated and localized in a nation. Now it's those who are followers of Jesus. And they are spread out among many nations. And, and these are the people of God, the followers of Christ. Disciples, not not fans of Jesus. I suspect in this room that we have some fans of Jesus who, thinks, who think that that's the same thing as being a follower. And it's, it's quite different, my friends. There are people who say, yay, team Jesus, yes. But then there are followers who push all their chips in. And they say, I'm all in. I'm surrendering everything I got. And I'm trusting in the Lord Jesus they're different. And I think we understand the difference because clearly there's a connection between a follower, a disciple of Jesus, and your prayers having that superpower quality about them. And we're going to look at that, starting with the who. So I want us to be clear that the who is followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. Do you know what a disciple is? I mean, back in the day, what a disciple was would be kind of the equivalent today maybe of a college student. A disciple was someone who left everything and went to follow a rabbi and, and submitted and surrendered to their teaching and then was sent out to do the same exact thing. College is kind of like that, right? You send your kids out. They go, they, they listen to their professors and certainly they're not listening to them as if they were a rabbi. But then they're sent out, presumably to go and act upon on which they've been taught. And so we have disciples of Jesus. And I believe some of you in here would say, I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a follower. And I would say, wonderful. But to believe is one thing, but to believe and act is a different thing. And I, I want to just share a, a, a little bit about what does it look like to be a disciple so that you're not fooling yourself, thinking you're a disciple, you're, you're a follower, but you're really a fan. Let's start with this. And this is not an exhaustive list. And, and, and this, it's not, being a disciple is not less than what I'm about to share with you. It's, it's more, but we don't have time to go into all that. But let's just talk about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Christ? Well, the first thing it means is that you see in you, you experience and understand, and maybe people see even outside the you, that there is true spiritual growth and change in your life. It's not just merely mentally ascending to accept some principles and thinking, I'm good because I know the answers. No, there's a change in your heart. And you see it in how you think differently. And your affections and your desires and your words. And how you spend your time and how you spend your... You see that starting to change. And what you see it is you see it begin to change to where you begin to resemble. And I begin to resemble Jesus Christ. Because that is the end game is to be shaped and fashioned into the likeness of Jesus. How would Jesus live your life? How would he live my life? But, but you gotta see change. 
You, you have to experience change. I, I'll give you a, an example. Because I was thinking about this in my life. I was asking the question, where have I seen change in my life? And I've been a Christian for, for a long time. And I was just thinking of, a, of a, an instance just recently where um, for me, I think potty humor is funny. And so my kids grew up with potty humor jokes. And uh, I certainly feel like I've wanted to pass that on to my grandchildren. And apparently I went a little too far. And my daughter looked at me like, Dad, what is wrong with you? Right? And, and my initial reaction was, calm down, it was funny. She goes, no, no, I don't want him knowing that. And, my, and I felt inside of me this kind of like, I felt pride. Like, well, why, you know, chill out, you know. But, but God was reminding me of a verse in Ephesians chapter 4. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification according to the need of the moment that may bless those who hear. And I said, did what I just say qualify in any way? No. And by the grace of God, I apologized to my grandson. I apologized to my daughter. But it was, it was just, I just felt like that. And I was like, thank you, God. And if you're not seeing things like that going on in your life, then you, you've got to step back and say, what exactly did I believe when I said that I want to follow Jesus? Second thing is that you realize and you react to the fact that you are on a mission and I am on a mission. When you become a follower of Jesus, you're like recruited and you are in his army, if you will. And we're to wake up every morning with the idea is, I'm on a mission. And that mission is to make disciples. And it is to love people like Jesus would love them. Is, am I thinking about that? Is it even on my radar? Just ask yourself, because as a disciple, it would be something that, that's there more often than it's not. Uh, thirdly is, are you connected to a local church? Connected. Not merely attending. I mean, attendance is, is important, no doubt about it. But to be connected is to say, I'm not going to come as a consumer and just sit in a seat and, and just receive and then leave and kind of apply it in my own little personal private life. No, to be connected is certainly attendance in, in, in a worship service and, and, and in our small groups. But, but then it's also giving back. It's, it's serving other people. And, it, and it's giving of your resources for, to, to fund the ministry. To invite people. To call this place home. I mean, that's what it really means to be connected. And then lastly, again, these are just, it's more than this, but it's not less than this. Because if, if the who is disciples of Jesus, if that activates the superpower that we have, then I better make sure I'm a disciple of Christ. And the last one is, are you discipling other people? Or do you just stop with yourself? Because the mission we're on, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Certainly that starts in your home. But maybe then it bleeds out to your neighborhood, at work, or maybe when you're, when you're in a small group and, and you're there and you, you've, small group member, you've come and you've done your homework. And why have you done your homework? So that God can use your experiences and your understanding to disciple others in that group. I say that as having led small groups for a long time. And, and I, 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 I always am looking for my, my, my group to bring so that, so that I can grow 
so that I can learn from them and God can speak through them into my life. That's what it means and that's what you look for as a disciple. That is the who. Understand it. It's important because apart from that, the superpower of prayer will not be activated in your life. Now, let's move from the who to the what. What activates God hearing and responding to our prayers? Now, back to verse 14. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves. What activates the superpower of prayer? Well, first, it's humility, my friends. It is humbling ourselves that we need a Savior. And as I said a few weeks ago, the gospel, Jesus' message, which he came and said, hey, all of you are broken. You're spiritually bankrupt. There's nothing good about you on your best day. Now, that's not a quote. Okay. But I believe it summarizes what he said. He said, you can't do it. But I can, and I will, and I will make this incredible swap with you. When you put your faith and trust in my work, I will give you, and God will give you credit for my perfect life. How is that? How do you turn that down? But it's an offensive message. Remember, I said it's very offensive. We think what Jesus says is supposed to be pleasant and loving and nice. My friends, that's not what he said. He said, you are so broken, you need a savior. And you can't do anything about it. You have to look and you have to humbly come. And, and that's what prayer is. Prayer is acknowledging, God, I don't have it within me. But you do. I'm looking to you. So do we humbly come before God, realizing that we need a Savior and that we have found that Savior in Jesus? You see, it takes humility to do that. But once you've done that, prayer becomes like a layup, my friends. Some of you struggle with prayer. You're afraid to ask God of things. I, I hear this. People are afraid to ask God of things. And I'm going to get more into this in the, in the coming weeks. But, but when someone's afraid to ask God for something, it's a misunderstanding of what prayer is. And it's, a, it's, it's actually an arrogant, prideful heart that thinks I haven't done enough things for him to listen to me. But that's not it. We come to him bankrupt, desolate, spiritually speaking, nothing. And we receive the grace and love of God. And that humbles ourselves. And when we realize we're, hum and when we're humbled in that way, man, talking to God, realizing what he's already done for us, it's a layup. Secondly, he says, and those who seek my face. Understand the power of what he's saying here, uh, of what um, God is, is speaking back to. The, the, the depth and the strength of these words, it means to crave him crave him, to thirst for him. Would that describe your pursuit of Christ? Would it describe my pursuit of Christ? Pursuing that intimate, close relationship with him. He says, humble yourselves first. Acknowledge you need a savior. Now seek me. Seek me above all other things. It doesn't say that we can't seek other things. It's not it. But we're to crave him above all other cravings. And I'll admit at times in my life that's not been the case. And my prayers are adversely impacted by that. And then he says, turn from your evil ways. Again, we're talking about the what. what, what we, we got the who, but, but the what. What do we do? We, we humbly come before him knowing that we need a savior. We're, we're, we're regularly craving and thirsting for his presence, that intimate, close relationship with God. And then thirdly is we turn from our brokenness. We can't just stay where we are. We've got to turn. We, we've got to, you know, and maybe for some of you, it's like, okay, yeah, I've been a fan of Jesus. You nailed it. 
I need to turn from that. I, I, need, to, I need to be a follower. I need, I need to push my chips all in and really trust and believe and live in light of that. But, but we got to turn from our, from our evil ways. I mean, what would you call a parent? And we probably, I bet you've seen them. What would you call a parent that gave their child everything they wanted without any regard for obedience? You'd call that a bad parent. And you'd say that kid's going to be a big problem as he grows up or she grows up, right? Well, do we really expect that God is going to give the things that we ask of him, needs and wants, when we're rebellious, when we're doing our own thing? Well, if, it's, if it makes for a bad parent, my friends, that makes for a bad God. And so we really need to understand that, that obedience really does matter. And that's what he says. I mean, he closes out. He says, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Now again, we have to remember, this is under the old covenant. This was specific to Israel. However, the truth that he speaks of, of this, the superpower of prayer coming out of a healthy relationship with God is very much a New Testament idea as well, a new covenant idea as well. As a matter of fact, let's look at James chapter 5 verse 16. I'll just give you a few places where this same principle is repeated in the New Testament as well. In James chapter 5 verse 16, James the Half-brother of Jesus says this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. In other words, how we live our lives, the what that I was just talking about, really does make the difference between your prayers and my prayers being of superpower quality. And then in 1 Peter, and we know Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times and then Jesus restores him. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, Peter reminds us, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their request. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. So the superpower of prayer is activated in obedient followers of Jesus. That's the who and the what. So if your prayer life has just not been really happening, if there just hasn't been much there, you gotta step back and, and really first you gotta say, who am I? Am I really a, a disciple? Am I really a follower? Or maybe have I just been thinking I can get away with being a fan? And then secondly, you gotta ask yourself, and I have to ask myself, am I obedient? Am I coming to him truly understanding that I'm bankrupt without him? And am I seeking, am I craving for Christ above all other things and all other people? Am I, am I really turning away from those things that I know do not honor God? Do I turn away from the small things? Because I think we all kind of see the big things we turn away from. But what about the small things? What about bitterness that no one can really see? That kind of hides and festers inside? What about lust that's some, that, that really no one can see but, but, but it's alive and well? Do we just worry about the outsider? Do we really say, no, I need to attack. I need to go after. I need to choke out those things that are inside of me. Because that's the what. And so to boil it all down, the superpower of prayer, my friends, it is activated. It is powerful in the life of an obedient follower of Jesus. But let me be really careful here that we not get too hung up. When I say obedient, I do not mean perfection. I mean progress. This doesn't mean you have to perfectly because that's impossible. 
But there's progress. There's, a, there's an effort. There's a heart. There's an attitude towards I really do want to grow into the likeness of Christ. You see, if it was perfection, it would not make any sense in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray when he said that we're to ask for our daily bread and forgive me for my sins as I forgive those who sin against, against me. If it was about perfection, then it makes no sense for Jesus to ask us to ask for daily bread, our needs, and at the next moment say, hey, and pray uh, or ask for forgiveness for the sins in your life. It's progress that he's looking for. And we need to understand that and just look for, we're just looking for progress. Hopefully you're looking for progress. And I'm looking for progress in our lives to honor God and so that, our, that, that our, our prayers are as powerful as they can be. Not only for ourselves, but certainly for others. As we already alluded to the fact that our country and our community needs healing. Needs healing. So, uh, it's about progress, not perfection. Secondly, we need to recognize that in our obedience, God's not just sitting up there with his little score sheet Waiting for Kevin to do the right thing. Okay, check. Let's answer this prayer over here. That's not, that's not. The answer to our prayers, my friends, has nothing really to do with your merit or your achievements. It has everything to do with the death of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus and your faith being placed in him. So we need to recognize that obedience is important, but it's not an obedience out of what I can get in the way of an answer to prayer. It is an obedience out of what I've, I know I've received and I want to honor the one from whom the blessings have come. Do you see the difference? One person looks at God and says, how can I not obey in light of what I've been given in Christ? The other looks at self and says, look what I've done, God. I think you owe me. It's easy to fall into that. But that's not what gives the superpower of prayer that we have in our lives. So, there's the who and there's the what about activation. We'll get into in the coming weeks. Well, what is prayer and how do I pray? What are those obstacles? But we first got to start with because you can know the what, you can know the how, and you can know the, the barriers. But if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple, not a fan, and if you're not actively with progress seeking to honor and obey God, then your powers, superpower of prayer is nothing and mine is nothing. So with that in mind, let me challenge you this week to honestly assess in your life the who and what of the activation of the superpower of prayer. Honestly, just step back and say to yourself, the marks of, the, of a disciple I just talked about, that you um, are on mission, you recognize, you, you, you get up and, and, and it's about the mission that Jesus has sent us on, that I'm looking for spiritual growth uh, in my life, okay? That I'm, a, that I'm connected, not merely attending, but I'm connected to a church and that I'm discipling others, whether it starts in my home and maybe moves out or it's in a small, whatever it is, just evaluate how am I doing in that in that way and and look at am I humbly coming in prayer am I seeking and craving God am I turning from that which he reveals is is not good in my life to be honest and just evaluate and then in that evaluation focused on the weakest part that you identify where where do I really don't don't if you try to do everything all at once you're going to be overwhelmed but think, what is the one area, God, show me, what is that one area that I really, where I need to start? And then make a change right there. And then secondly, is ask someone to hold you accountable to that. 
Christianity is a team sport. Following Jesus is a team sport. We need each other. You need me and I need you. And when, when we try to make changes in and of ourselves, they're not very effective. We need other people to encourage us and support us and challenge us. That's why addictions are so powerful. The moment you let an addiction become known, it loses a lot of its effectiveness and grip in your life. But when you think you can manage it and no one needs to know and you're going to try to fake it until you make it, man, your addiction says, please keep doing that because I got you. But the moment you let the secret out to some trusted friends who, who, will, who will love you and challenge you and care for you, ah, now, now your addiction has a hefty challenge and a worthy adversary, okay? So that, I hope, starts us into the next three messages on prayer. But I want to kind of take some time now and really just put it into practice. I would really, what, I, what I'd like to do is I want to give us some, some space. I want to give some space for the Spirit of God to breathe and for you to just spend time between you and God and just to pray. Uh, I, I'll encourage some of you want to come on up here. I, I'll, I'll be up here if you want me to pray with you specifically. I'll be up here and it will be my honor to do that. But I also encourage others of you to, to, to get up and, and, and come and, and just pray up here. You don't have to. But I know for some of you, kind of a public demonstration for you seems to kind of make it just seem like whatever you're doing is that much more important. Now many of you publicly serve in different ways. And I, I thank you so much in the way that you serve and, and really appreciate that. But, but I, I just, like, I'm one of those kind of guys, when, when I do something public, it, it just kind of like seals the deal for me a little bit more. In my, in my, it's like, kind of like when, when you fasting and praying. Why are those together? Because when I fast, I believe that God's saying, hey, he's really serious about this. He's holding back some food here. That's a big deal for Kevin. This must be really important to him. So I just invite some of you to come up here if you'd like to do that. Okay? Others of you stay in your seat wherever you're comfortable. Okay? But let's take some time. And let's pray. And let's come to God. And maybe we need to confess, God, I, I've been living life like a fan. And I'm not a fan. My chips are in. I'm a follower. And just talk to him about that. Just, just I'm sorry. How, how can I change that? What does that look like? Or maybe there's somebody that's just, just on your heart. You want to pray for them. It's just, it's killing you what they're going through. Man, bring that to God. Maybe some of you are not even sure God's there. And you're just really struggling. Maybe just say, hey God, if you're out there, will you please show me? Will you please reveal yourself to me? Because I want to know if you are there. Okay, but let me pray and enter into this time and then we'll give that a, a, some, some room to breathe. Father, we thank you for the powerful gift of prayer that we can communicate to you, almighty creator. Lord, please bless this time and may it bless you as your people come before you humbly. In Jesus' name, amen.